thing she'll never look And a man face stand and wait for him to take care of her She'd rather go to work and pay the bills on schedule I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T Do you know what that means? Welcome, I'm your host here and you are tuned in to Am I Pretty Enough as a Black Woman show? Where we'll be discussing difficult topics that might be tough to discuss within the Black community Today's topic is, I got it, I don't need any help. I have a special guest with me today. Hi, I'm Brittany, licensed mental health professional. All right. And so, we as Black people oftentimes feel that we are invincible and don't need any help or want want assistance, especially us Black women, mentally, physically, or financially. Where we will, where we feel that we are okay, but reality is that mentally we are not, and refuse to share anything that is going on with us because we don't want people placing judgment or assumptions about us. We don't want to appear weak because we have been taught to stay strong, and this goes back to slavery. Slavery, where we were be now, we refuse to ever break. But this is an ongoing cycle of not taking care of our mental health is a serious issue within the Black community. So, Brittany, why do you think we, as Black people, are not eager to receive help, even if it's from our family or friends? I think that we have a long-trended history of help equating to weakness. So, with that being said, a lot of the times, even just me needing help bringing the groceries in, for example, me putting it all on one arm and coming in instead of going for multiple trips or letting someone help me. I don't want to be deemed as weak or I don't want to be seen as I can't handle it. So I think that has a lot to do with it. We're trained to be strong and trained to not let anybody see us needing anything, needing any type of assistance. And in general, getting assistance is frowned upon you think about all the people that are doing like government assistance for example or people who get help getting jobs or even the people in the black community who come from families that are more wealthy than other families they are seen as um, having a step ahead in the world versus just your everyday black person Hmm, I agree Um, I I like how you touched on um, people who have more and so black people with black people in the black community are known to be low income um, in society. And so as we are trying to create wealth for our our children and make sure that they have the proper resources, um, we do not want people to know that we do not have it all um, and that we want to appear that we have it all together. Um, And I think that is definitely um, one of the reasons why we want to be seen that we do have it that we do have money um because most of us might come from not having money or our parents did not have money or they didn't have enough money um to get ahead in life um so that we make so that we can not have to struggle and so i feel like us as black women in general i feel that that also goes into um being independent and not also having uh, our child's father in in our children's life as well. And so that we feel that we have to be strong and be together so that we can keep our family together. Um, and so that we oftentimes are um, super independent and in that we don't want to be codependent on anybody, even a man, yeah. um, especially because broken homes in the black community it's, it's, it's deemed as normal. And so black women have to stay strong, 
have to appear strong, have to seem like they have it all together. Um, and it's hard to accept help as well um, because it's frowned upon to not to not be all all together. Mm-hmm. So I agree. Um, so my next question is, why do you think we hesitate to go to counseling? Um, I think we hesitate to go to counseling for many reasons. One of them being that um, there is a certain like stigma around people that are going to counseling. So people um say things like um you're crazy if you go to counseling or you think about black people are the largest religious community in all of america so they say you can just pray that out of you that's the demon that's the spirit um and a lot of times you don't have resources too if you don't have the resources financial resources or the insurance coverage or even if you do have those things and you can't get connected with somebody who looks like you um, more generally, that type of therapy isn't going to be successful anyways because you have to spend time explaining. Um, for example, I've seen a statement that said, I wish I had a black therapist because I don't want to spend the next 30 minutes explaining that something has me tight and that that really means that I was upset by that, I was offended by that, etc. So we have so many dynamics of the financial, the social stigmas attached to it, the religious stigmas attached to it, and then in general, the access to providers that look like us and that can help us with our type of trauma that the larger population isn't experiencing Hmm. oh yeah definitely and I think that um, counseling overall like you say the stigma um, is the biggest key um, next to finding someone that looks like you that can relate to you that can understand you while listening to you um, is definitely the biggest thing of why we as black people feel that we do not need to um, go to counseling but I also think that it boils down to communication um, being taught at a young age um, expressing our emotions our feelings um, we are taught to especially black men do not cry don't yeah. show and that goes back to weakness be mm-hmm. strong um, do not display your feelings because if you display any emotions it shows that you're weak that people can get over on you and so displaying that you are angry that you are mad that you are sad that you just today is not a good day um, shows that you don't have it all together again and mm-hmm. so I think that is also a big reason why people do not want to go to counseling because here you are sharing things about yourself that you probably have never shared with anybody and someone is there taking notes and you feel that they are judging you um, and so oftentimes we do not want to be judged because us as black people we're constantly being judged we're constantly being stereotyped we're constantly um, being categorized in certain um, group and stigmas are placed upon us and so going to counseling is just another thing that we might feel that is um, contributing to those to, to that as well and so I think for me personally um, I want to go to counseling but I find myself um, not even I wouldn't say hesitating but I think unconsciously I think all of these factors weigh on why I, I haven't fully continued going to counseling yeah. to deal with my um my trauma uh, my trauma um and things that has happened to me when I was a kid and I think that counseling is great um for someone that do not know you um for you to go and seek um professional help to kind of Um, And I think that counseling isn't just because you have a mental health issue. It's simply dealing with things that you are bottling up inside and being able to express it and having someone that you do not know listen to you and give you 
and give you sound advice or uh, agreeance or reassurance um, to let you know that, hey, you were a kid, that's not your fault. Because things that happen to us as kids, we oftentimes point the blame. The blame is pointed on us as yeah. children in the black community. And that is something that also limits, limit, limits us to want to seek help because of the blame that is placed upon us. Just like people who um, are sexual, uh, sexual assaulted, the the blame is placed upon them and then it's just kind of like a shame you're ashamed and so mm-hmm. going to get help you're kind of like and is someone going to believe me um when I share these things with this person um are they going to be putting blame on me are they looking at me and saying well what could you have done to not not have gotten that you know mm-hmm. or what could you have done differently so that it wouldn't have happened and things like that I think that um Overall, it can be one of the reasons why we do not want to go to counseling. Um, but I know that overall, I think counseling is great for people who uh, um, do experience trauma and just need a, a need a, a ear um, yeah. for someone to listen to you because that is also something in the Black community we feel that our voice is already muted, um, and so that being able to have someone listen to you and not say anything back until you want that feedback and they can also share with you um sound advice and kind of what they hear because you only hear what you're put what you're thinking and so hearing it being said back to you um you're you're gonna hear it in a different way so i think that is great as well so um yeah, so I guess that goes into my 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 final question. Um, do you think the stigma of mental mental illness is why we as Black people feel the need to not seek out help or assistance? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think tying back to some of the things you said, being raised off of survival in general in our community, and that includes emotional survival too. So we're doing the best that we can to get from minute to minute. And things like that do grieve post-traumatic stress disorders, depression, anxiety, panic attacks. Um, some people are schizophrenic from a really young age and um, they don't get that type of treatment. And it comes from a lot of places, one being that emotional survival in general. And then another, I think, is that stereotype of what mental illnesses look like and the shame that comes with that on top of your family. I know growing up with my Black mother, she would say things like, don't say that out loud because you're going to make me look bad. Don't do that because you look bad. So no one wants to look bad. We don't want to look weak. We don't want to like, we don't have it put together like we said in the beginning. So I think that the stigma of mental illnesses and mental illness being more of something that's outward in other communities and not so much in our community, people aren't getting their trauma treated. People aren't seeking help for that trauma because they feel weak. They don't want to look weak. And they are so used to surviving on their own emotionally that they don't want to let anybody else come in. Um, Me being a therapist, when I work with black patients and I'm breaking down those walls, I get a lot of pushback, a lot of aggression, a lot of anger, because anger is the only way they learn how to express their emotions. And I have to educate them. Anger is a secondary emotion. You're feeling something else underneath that. What is it? And usually it's ashamed or afraid there's usually something else under that anger that I'm pulling out of them but me tapping into them and helping them reframe those thoughts of um, it's okay to not be okay for example then they're just like no I gotta be strong and they get really defensive and you're like okay I I see where you're going with this but you're here because you need 
to get all of this out so you can surface who you really are beneath all of this emotional survival mode you have going on. Mm, thank you, thank you. You definitely uh, touched on a few points that are um, that people need to hear and understand um, when you talk about anger. Um, me as a kid, um, like I said, we are not taught, especially in the black community, communicating our feelings and our emotions. So like you say, rage and anger, it's the, the number one emotion that we display. And so me being a kid, when I felt a certain way or whatnot, I wasn't taught to communicate my emotions. So I, I would be angry and no one was asking me as a kid, why are you angry? What is going on? And I think that us in the black community, especially as parents, we are not doing that. We're constantly chastising kids for being angry, being mad, being upset about things, but not figuring out why they are angry. What happened today at school that made this major child angry to be angry at home, to be disrespectful, to be, to display these type of emotions? Um, and how are you going to get them to communicate it um and i typically um especially like the phrase um i'll give you something to cry about uh, why why is that something that we say in the black community when kids are expressing their emotions um if if you have inflicted pain people cry that is a, that is an emotion and so if their feelings are hurt kids cry that is their you know that is their way of saying I, this doesn't sit well with me. I, I don't feel well. I'm I'm unsure, um, and so or I'm afraid as well. Not just showing that they're angry. I mean, uh, being afraid necessarily doesn't show. Some people don't uh, show that they're angry. Um, show it through that they're angry, but they show it that they're sad as well. That they're frightened, um, and so. I think that we as black people and when we're raising our children, we have to make sure that we allow them to allow, allow them the space to communicate with us um, about whatever. And that is one reason why um, kids, uh, kids then grow up to be adults and don't know how to communicate and they feel that they have to stay strong. They they can't cry, they can't display any emotions. And I think that we in the black community have to um, break the cycle of now allowing kids to express themselves um, because we have the phrase of stay in a kid's place. And what is that? Not be able to speak when they want to speak, speak when, speak when spoken to, but then you'll tell them to be quiet. You know, and so when they are sharing with you certain things, and when you do not like what they're sharing, then you shut it, then you shut them down, and that now creates an ongoing cycle of I don't want to say anything. I'm okay. I'll keep it inside. No one wants to hear it anyway. Um, you don't have to tell all your business, right? Whatever um, things like that. But I think that those things are limiting us um, within the black community, and that is why we will not get help. We feel that we got it. We are okay, but we're not okay. Um, this is why we're angry. This is why um, you have uh, people who end up beating their kids, beating their spouses, um, and displaying anger from what they've gone through when they were a kid um, comes out when they're an adult. And it shows more when you have children um, and people understand why they're becoming their parent. Um, and they'll say, I be like my father I'll never be like my mother and then you have a kid and you're exactly like them is because you have not dealt with your trauma as a kid 
you have not communicated the things that you wanted to communicate when you were a kid. Um, and so seeking counseling, I think, will allow us to be able to do so and just let it out. Um, and even if you just write it, letting it out somehow, um, even if, you know, no one actually understands you, you know, we're oftentimes um, misunderstood uh, when we do express ourselves. And so we have to make sure that we're listening um, as well um, to, to what people are saying to us. Um, and so I think um, overall, the stigma of just slavery, um, when runaway slaves would run away, they would say that they have a mental health issue. A mental illness um, and so those would kind of that would kind of make the other slaves afraid to run away um, and when caught they will be beaten and tried to beat them their their brain senseless um, to beat it out of them and so that has continued to be an ongoing thing and so now we have just developed the mindset of have seeking help equals mental health issues and that is bad. Yeah. I think it goes a lot into like validation of emotions too, right? So if we are validated and um, it's okay to experience emotions, we're validated in going to get treatment. I know one thing that was always embedded in me and I see it playing out in my adult relationships, friendships, etc., is that my emotions don't matter and I need to do whatever I can do to not make the other person uncomfortable. Mm. It'll be a cycle of someone hurts me, I say ouch, and then they're like, I don't know why you're saying ouch. So then I end up apologizing to them for being upset at them, right? So then mm. I end up being in this position in which I'm continuously being hurt because my ouch isn't being recognized. And I learned mm -hmm. that pattern from my parents and stuff growing up. I would tell them like, this hurts and they're just like, well, you ain't got no business right to be hurting. And if, if you do that, then now I have to feel this way. So just don't feel that way. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, that's not helping me process through my emotions and learning that it's okay for me to not be okay. It's okay for me to experience some discomfort and voice that. So we are consistently conditioned to our emotions not being okay. Why then would we go and seek therapy with somebody where now all of a sudden our emotions are okay? That's foreign to us. And especially mm -hmm. that's looked down upon by the community because of the mental illness, because of way back in slavery, like you were saying, we were told that that's a mental illness for you to want to run away from your abuser. Now we're still reliving that. We don't run away from our abuser because of the fact that that looks as what? Some mm -hmm. type of mental incapacity to um, maintain whatever stoic state you have. So that's what we do. We walk around. We act like everything is okay. Nothing is okay. Everything's on fire within us. And that's why we make these irrational decisions and we spend our money like recklessly and we go do these things, these parties, whatever, whatever people are into, a lot of that is deep rooted in I need to deal with this emotion that's going on, but I'm going to mask it with this. I know therapy mm -hmm. would be helpful, but no, nah, I'm just going to mask it with it. Mm, yeah, that definitely goes into how people self-cope, you know, yeah. smoking, alcohol, uh, flicking pain on themselves, whatever to numb the pain, right? Mm -hmm. To forget about it temporarily, but you're actually, instead of suppressing it, you're bringing it more to the surface. Oh, yeah. And so today you just took 
you just smoked just a little bit. Tomorrow you're gonna smoke a little bit more because yesterday wasn't that. That doesn't feel like the same as today mm -hmm. because you're now constantly thinking you're suppressing it, but it's just rising more. Yeah. Um, and trying to break free. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that we have to understand that our coping mechanisms um, for trying to suppress our emotions and things that has happened to us that has hurt our feelings um, is something that we have to deal with. We have to talk about it. We have to let that person know you hurt my feelings and I want you to know. It's funny how um, growing up, my father, um, I wasn't allowed to kind of express myself, um, but my younger brother was. Mm -hmm. I remember him telling him, um, Say that you're mad, say that you're angry, say that you, you know, something's not right. You know, I don't like this dad or whatever, right? That is something he taught my brother. And I think he taught my brother because my brother being a male that they, they are told to, you know, uh, not be, not uh, cry, don't express yourself or you'll be seen that you're weak and men supposed to look strong, right? Mm -hmm. But for me, I was being raised to be very, very strong and not weak and, and independent, um, and, independent and extremely mm -hmm. independent and don't be dependent on anybody else. And um, yeah. crying is weak. And I remember to the point where um, when I would get in trouble, um, sometimes my dad would do it so that I could cry and so that he could feel empowered. And I remember telling myself, don't ever share a tear. And I didn't, mm -hmm. and that was for me to never to make to feel that no one will ever have that much power over me or control. Yeah. No one will ever make me feel that they completely have me, and I can see that um, now as an adult when trying to foster relationships and as I'm trying to um, make sure that I don't come off so strong because I know that I can, and mm -hmm. so. Um, I also don't want to be weak and people walk over me. And so trying to find a balance to make sure that I speak up when necessary, but also you don't have to be super aggressive. Yeah. You don't have to be super strong. Um, some people aren't as strong as you. You have to remember that, you know, you have to remember that some people cry easier than you. Right. And so um, when communicating with other people, we have to make sure that when someone does communicate something with us and it could be personal or very minor that we do not place judgment upon them because as soon as we do that and we regurgitate it back out and let them know that we're technically judging them, they're now gonna go back inside into their mm -hmm. safe place and they're no longer gonna communicate anything and say, this is why I don't communicate anything with anybody in the first place because yeah. they place judgment. And I know that if I tell someone else this, they're gonna do the same. When I just wanna be heard, I just want this off my chest, you mm -hmm. know? Um, I think also we do not just listen to people. We just, we just don't let people just talk. Um, and that is very helpful for some people when, you know, us, um, us being friends with someone, when someone calls you and say, I just need, I just need to vent. That's a moment for them to get whatever off their chest to then feel feel better. Mm -hmm. um, instead of giving sound, thinking that we're giving them sound advice, sometimes they don't want sound advice. Sometimes they just want someone to listen. And I think that um, even though we're all not licensed therapists or counselors or whatnot, but we can provide that space. And I think the next time someone comes to me or anyone else that I know that I want to make sure that I just 
say, hey, how can I help you? What What do you need from me in this moment? Do you just want me to listen? Do you want advice from me? And this is something that I'm working on personally to make sure that I don't just give advice mm -hmm. um, because we're so quick to want to give advice yeah. to seem that we're knowledgeable and intelligent and smart. You know, that's another subject as well. But um, I think just moving on, we have to make sure that we are listening to one another because all people want to do is be heard. And so, especially as children, mm -hmm. and that's where it starts. Um, so yeah, do you have anything else you'd like to say or add? Yeah, there was something I was thinking about um, in general. When I first started my like practicing as a therapist, I did my first suicide assessment. And one of the protective factors, so being one of the things that says, hey, this person won't kill themselves, um, was being a black woman. And that has stuck with me for the past like three or four years that I've been practicing as a therapist because listening to you, Tierra, in this moment say that as a black woman, I was taught to be strong and I have to depend on everybody, et cetera. That is literally embedded into us. Everybody else sees us as strong. And that's why in the medical system, they don't see us as having pain. And that's why emotionally they don't see us having pain or they see us being able to um, take on more pain than we really actually can because we carry it so well, we carry it so graciously that they're like, okay, let's load it on. So for me to be doing a suicide risk assessment with a young black woman, and for one of the protective factors to be, this person won't kill themselves because they're a black woman, because statistics tell you that. But that doesn't mean this little girl isn't gonna walk out of my office and end it all. So I find myself wanting to almost coddle my black patients and not coddle as in like, enable them from growing but really be super attentive to their needs because they're not used to that and i know that everybody else in the world is seeing them as i have to be strong and i don't have the opportunity to let a tear come out so with that being said i want to continue to focus on that in my practice and dealing with the urban environment and helping them understand that it's okay not to be okay it's okay to heal and literally start healing the hood because that's where we need to place focus as far as mental health they know there are providers out there who are of your color who do understand you and there are even providers who are allies who understand you who can help you get to a place that you need to go and reframe your thoughts so that you're no longer in the survival mode of emotions and you can start being proactive and heal Thank you, Brittany. Yes, we all needed to hear that. Um, yeah, this is this is definitely something that we need to continue to discuss about healing, trauma, and seeking help and not being afraid to do so. So, as the great Maya Angelou once said, "I'm a woman phenomenally." Thank you for listening. Follow us on social media at Nav Foundation.